Thanksgiving is over and you're 20 pounds heavier. <laughs> My neighbor, I saw him this morning, he was walking outside, he said, I can't figure it out. We bought a 10 pound bird and I gained 20 pounds. <laughs> Thanksgiving, uh, my uh, methods of taking Thanksgiving has changed over the years. When I was young, I used to go up for seconds, thirds, fourths. It was amazing. And every time I did, everybody in the house would have the same comments. Oh, he's growing big. Look at it, not big, but big, you know. Where does he put it all? You remember those comments? Look, that, that young man is growing up. He's going to be strong. He's going to be a football player, right? Right? They don't say that anymore. When I go up for seconds and thirds, the first thing I think is, what are they gonna say about me now? You know, the drumstick's just sitting on the plate and I'm thinking to myself, no one's gonna eat it. No one's gonna go for it. The first one's gone. Nobody wants to be that person to take the second one and it's just sitting, but if I take it, what will people think about? If I dip into the cranberries one more time, what will the people think about me around, who are sitting around me? How can I get up from my chair and get seconds without making a big spectacle? of myself. Do you think like that? You're probably not like that at all, are you? It's amazing how things change over time. It's amazing how when I was younger, I wasn't judged for taking seconds and thirds and even fourths. But now, as I'm older in my <coughs> 40s, we have a tendency to think how often we're being judged. Have, do you ever feel like you're being judged? Yeah? It's amazing how often we think that we're being judged. Like when we do our job. We think about somebody watching us, somebody evaluating us, how we raise our kids, that's a big one, right? What will this family think about how I raise my kids? What will this person think about how I'm raising my children? Uh, we, we evaluate all kinds of things. We think to ourselves almost constantly, how will we be perceived if we do blank? Even in the checkout line, 20 items or less. You're standing there and you're thinking to yourself, I wonder if I really have 20 and the, the guy behind me, is he counting the items in my cart? <laughs> we went to pick out our Christmas tree this year, uh, this, this week. We, we, we grabbed some time, went down as a family, went to this uh, tree lot and, uh, and we found one, we tied it to our car and on our way out as I was paying for my Christmas tree, you know what I found myself doing? I was looking at all of the trees everybody put on their cars and thinking to myself, <laughs> That's a scraggly tree. They should have looked a little longer for a better one. I'm judging people driving out of the Christmas lot based on the Christmas trees they got tied to their roofs. We have a tendency to judge all the time. And maybe even this morning you've already made a judgment call or two. It's interesting how much of our lives is taken up with judging. And yet, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, in seven, Matthew 7 and verse 1, Judge not, that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. First two words are, church? Anyone convicted? Jesus is emphatic on this point. He's not saying, take a minute and think about whether this is something you've got to work on. He's making an emphatic, straightforward statement. Don't judge. And yet in our lives, we find ourselves judging all the times, all the time. And in fact, this phrase, judge not that you be not judged, is reiterated all the way through the New Testament. So my question to you this morning is, 
Are we to judge or are we talking about something a little bit differently? What is Jesus talking about in Matthew 7, verses 1 to 6? Well, the first thing I want to point out to you this morning is that judge can mean a lot of different things. The word judge can mean different things. It can mean evaluate. It can mean condemn. It can mean, um, it can mean critique. It can mean review. I mean, sometimes you want to be judged. You're thinking to yourself, how in the world? When would I want to be judged? Well, let me give you a few, a few things. How many of you are going to watch football today? Yeah. Maybe you will, maybe you won't, but if you get a chance to watch football, would you like for somebody to judge whether or not your team gets a touchdown? Yeah, you don't want, somebody's got to make that judgment call, right? So the referees run over, they go, yes, it's a touchdown, and if it's your team, how do you feel? I'm not going to ask Mark because he's with the Bears, and they never get touchdowns, but uh, somebody who might get, <laughs> come on, somebody who might get a touchdown, the Green Bay Packers, no, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, it's terrible, isn't it? When you, when, you want, uh, when you want your team to score, you want somebody to make that judgment call, right? When you go to the doctor and the doctor says, ooh, I've never seen anything like that before. Uh, and he says, well, we're gonna have to get that taken a look at. Do you look at him and say, you know what? I'd rather you didn't make a judgment call on this. Let's just see what happens, right? No, you want somebody to judge it, right? You cut it out, evaluate, tell me what it is, make a judgment call and tell me what I need to do. When you apply for a job, you're the better candidate than somebody else. Don't you want somebody to make a good judgment call? So, there are different words that judge means. And sometimes it's good that we get judged. Sometimes we want there to be a judgment call. Sometimes we don't. So what are we talking about in Matthew chapter 7? Well, Matthew chapter 7, the word here in context does not mean evaluate. It means condemn. So the word could say, don't condemn so that you would not be condemned. My job is not to condemn. Um, it could be evaluate, but it's, it, in the context, that's not what it means. It's not wrong for me to evaluate, but it is wrong for me to condemn. Here's what condemn means. Looking unfavorably on the character and actions of someone else, which leads to an unloving pronouncement of judgment upon them. That's what Jesus is talking about. Matthew 7 and verses 1 to 4, Jesus is saying, don't do this. Don't be the kind of person that looks unfavorably on the character and actions of somebody else, which leads you to an unloving pronouncement of judgment upon them. In other words, condemn not, so that you are not condemned. Now, I need to take a little bit of a sidebar here and just point out something theologically that's true, and that is that each one of us is already condemned, right? As soon as we're born and as soon as we live our lives and we understand that we have this thing called sin that kind of runs our lives at times and we try and get a hold of, but sometimes it seems like we can't control it, we understand that there is something that causes us to disappoint God on a regular basis, and that is sin. And Jesus says, this is a problem that we have when we're born. We have the sin nature that pulls us to do things that we should not do that disappoint God, and we call that sin. In fact, Jesus addresses it in John 3 and verse 18. He says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned, what's the next word, church? Is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. 
In other words, you can get to heaven if you are perfect and never sin. If that's you, you are guaranteed to get into heaven. That means not one sin in your entire life, you're in. Now, is there anybody like that in here? Because I'd really love to get to meet you and get to know you. You must be an outstanding person. You would be like, you would be, I would be the brother and you would be Jesus and I'd be the brother that always hears his parents saying, why aren't you more like your brother? Why aren't you more like Jesus, you know? You'd be the perfect person. None of us are without sin. The only way to have a relationship with the Father is to be without sin and the only one person who was fully human to do that was Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying in John 3 and verse 18, you believe in me and you will not be condemned. But you need to understand one thing. If you're still in your sin, you don't believe in Jesus, you are condemned already. You were born condemned. The good news is you can ride the coattails of Jesus to have a relationship with the Father. The only way out of condemnation is through Jesus Christ. Romans 8.1 says this, if you know Christ Jesus, there is therefore now no condemnation for you. This is the only way out of condemnation before God. Otherwise, you will be judged someday and you will be condemned. If you choose to have your works judged by the law, you'll lose. Because you will have to be as perfect as God is perfect. We've already covered that in the Sermon on the Mount. And every one of us at this point in the Sermon on the Mount should be saying to ourselves, boy, we need help. And that's the point. Jesus came to set us free from condemnation. Jesus was condemned on the cross so that we would never be condemned ourselves. That's what's so amazing about grace because none of us earn it and yet it's free to all of us. Grace replaces condemnation. The law screams at us, lock him up, he's guilty. Grace sets us free. Jesus is really saying, I've given you a way of escape from condemnation, the condemnation that you deserve. So here's his point in Matthew 7.1. If I have given you grace to escape the condemnation you deserve before God, then you need to give grace to others to let them free from the condemnation you might hold them to. In other words, Jesus has already used this once in the Sermon on the Mount when he talks about forgiving in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us, right? Forgive us our trespasses as those, I got my translations mixed up. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. In other words, we have experienced the forgiveness of God, so we offer forgiveness to others. In the same way, we have experienced grace from God that lets us free from being condemned. Therefore, we show that same grace to others. That's what Jesus says, judge not, lest you also be judged. When we extend condemnation, we demonstrate how right it is that we should be condemned by God. It's so easy for us to condemn others. And every time that happens, we are meant to take a step back and think to ourselves how much we've been set free from, how much God does not condemn us for. When we judge and we condemn, we admit our own guilt. Uh, Michael and I were working on this message together and he came up with this great illustration. He said, for Christians to judge is like children growing up in the slums 
one child wins the lottery and they suddenly think they're better than all the other children. It's a silly idea that just because this kid wins the lottery, all of a sudden he's better than everyone else. And the fact of the matter is, if you know Christ as your savior, you've been snatched out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light and it had nothing to do with you. It had everything to do with God's love for you through Jesus Christ. That's the kind of grace we receive and that's the kind of grace we offer to others. This is how the Paul the apostle puts it. Romans 2, one of my favorite passages. In fact, we're gonna kind of put this over top of Matthew chapter seven and look at a couple of verses in Romans 2. Here's how he starts. Therefore, Paul writes, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. In other words, you call somebody else a liar and you hold it against them and you'll never forgive them. And then you lie. We condemn ourselves. Somebody does something to hurt you and you hold it against them and you'll never forgive them. And yet you do stuff to other people all the time. <laughs> but we offer ourselves a whole bucket full of grace that we reserve for ourselves and we don't offer to others. And Jesus is saying, when you do not extend grace to others, when you condemn others, you're admitting that you should be condemned as well. In fact, he goes on in verse four of Romans two and says this, this is possibly my favorite verse in scripture. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that it, it was God's kindness that was meant to lead you to repentance. Do you know what that means? That means that we trample the grace of God underfoot when we don't extend it to others. It's almost like we deserve it, but they don't. And that only goes to illustrate how fallen we are. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, judging others makes us blind whereas love is illuminating. By judging others, we blind ourselves to our own evil and to the grace with which others are just as entitled as we are. So, okay, Craig, if judging is wrong, then is it wrong for God to judge? Good question, right? If judging is wrong, is it wrong for God to judge? We have a tendency here to turn human paradigms on to God. Here's the logic. If judging is wrong, and God never does anything wrong, then God does not judge. Makes sense, right? Logically, that works in, in this uh, mathematical paradigm. And then if somebody believes that, they say, no, no, Craig, if you're saying that it's wrong to judge, and God judges, God must be wrong. And then they'll show you this verse, John 12, verse 47. If anyone hears my words, this is Jesus, and does not keep them, I do not judge him, interesting. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. So therefore, Craig, God does not 